I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Down the middle, scores! First career goal, Austin Wagner. Here's Luff looking for his first, scores! Matt Luff, first NHL goal, and the Kings have the lead. What's Luff got to do with it? Welcome back to Crown Conversations. I know we've had a little bit of a layoff, but joining me today is Garrett from Pennsburg. Garrett, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. How's it going tonight, Garrett? Uh, you know, considering where the Penguins have been, uh, I'd say over the last month, month and a half with injuries, uh, most recently getting a win over a divisional rival, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, I, I'd say things are on the up and up. You know, I'm just happy. You know, I, I'm just in a jovial mood because Christmas and New Year are right around the corner. Uh, you know, we're finally getting into the the, the what, I, what I call the meat and potatoes of the NHL schedule. So I, I, even though the Penguins have suffered countless injuries already, we're not even at Christmas, uh, I'm, in, I'm in a pretty, pretty high-spirited mood. I feel like it's got to help when your goalie is on when your goalie is on the world's longest shutout streak. Uh, yes, that it, it's it's so weird. It's something that I didn't even realize until uh, I was able to go to the the Penguins game uh, against the the against the Montreal Canadiens, and uh, I saw that the little uh, graphic popped up on the scoreboard that said um, Tristan Jari now owns the franchise record shutout streak. And it was like, it took a while to set in for me, but then I realized, holy crap, that's like a massive record for a goaltender to hold considering all of the goaltenders that have come through Pittsburgh in their 50 plus year history. And most notably, you know, Tom Barrasso, Marc-Andre Fleury, you know, these kinds of, uh, these kinds of figures who carved out successful careers in the NHL and for Tristan Jari to really come out of nowhere and play the way he has over his last uh, five or six games. It really is. It really is something special to watch. No longer is it a flash in the pan. I, what I originally thought what it was, I thought it was just a, a nice, uh, nice run, a nice little streak for Jari. But the more and more I get to watch Jari on a nightly basis, the more and more that I become convinced that he's not fighting to become an NHL backup. I think he is proving to the Penguins and the rest of the league that he is a capable NHL starting goaltender. As far as I can recall, I mean, not that I have paid super close attention, but as far as I can recall, people have been long talking about Tristan Jari as the um, successor for the Penguins. And I know there was some concern a couple of years ago with, um, Oh God, who is there now? Uh, Matt, the Matt Murray. Yes. Matt Murray. Um, yes. yeah. Cause you had Matt Murray and then Mark Andre Fleury. And then yep. there was the whole thing with the contract situation in steps Vegas as the saviors and, you know, magically their, <laughs> their contract situation, uh, works out. Well, I guess it's not magic, but anyway, there was also some talk even then about Tristan Jari and how they were very much, um, they being the Penguins, were very much looking to the future and considering him down the road. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. And it's weird just how 
goaltenders seemingly develop uh, on their way into the NHL. Murray was drafted in the third round in the, the 2012 draft, and Tristan Jari was drafted in the second round in the 2013 draft. I, I had known a bit more about Jari as a prospect than Matt Murray, and I remember the 2013 draft. The, the Penguins didn't have their first round pick in 2013, so their first pick in that draft went to Tristan Jari, and for picking a goaltender at 44th overall, uh, especially with a team like the Penguins in 2013, you know, they were very still, very much still at the height of the Crosby Malkin era. You'd think that they'd be drafting forwards and defensemen to, uh, you know, to rebuild the, the cupboards and, and stockpile some prospects. But to take a goaltender at 44 in 2013, it really must have said a lot about the Penguin scouting department and how they felt about Jari. And I, I'm, I agree. I'm sure there were people back even in 2013, and this was a previous regime. This was not under current general manager Jim Rutherford. This was under then general manager Ray Shero. Uh, there were people in the organization, I'm sure, that felt that he would be the the successor to Mark Andre Fleury. And it's just it's just incredible how how fast Matt Murray really came into his known and came out of nowhere. And, you know, like you said, in comes Vegas, thankfully, or maybe unthankfully, I guess if that's a word, depending on how you look at the Marc-Andre Fleury situation. I know there are some fans in Pittsburgh who are still not over the fact that Marc-Andre Fleury is no longer a Pittsburgh Penguin. And uh, I can tell you from firsthand experience that uh, the, the, the hockey fans in Pittsburgh love to have goaltender debates uh, when Flurry was here, it was Murray and Flurry, Murray and Flurry. Who you know, who who would earn the rightful place of the the starter? And now that Flurry is gone, you would think that Matt Murray would just be the the go to number one. But now that's no longer the case with the emergence of Tristan Jari this year. Uh, the goaltender debate has switched from Murray Flurry to Murray and Jari, and it's something that obviously Penguins fans are going to have to watch for the rest of the season as uh, Jari and Murray are both restricted free agents at the end of this year. So I don't think both goaltenders are going anywhere just yet, but it's it's an interesting situation that G general manager Jim Rutherford has to keep an eye on, and it's another goaltending saga that Pittsburgh Penguins fans are going to watch as well. Boy, what an, uh, well, I was going to be mean and sarcastic. I was going to say, gee, what a terrible problem to have. New restricted free agent goalies playing out of their minds. Oh, gosh. Sounds terrible. I'm, Poor I'm not, I'm not too well versed on the, the Kings goaltending situation, but the general vibe I get is that, uh, Jonathan Quick is, isn't what he used to be. I don't know. I, I I really don't even know his contract situation. So if he's, I don't know if, if, if his time in Los Angeles is nearing its end, but I mean, yeah, it sucks. Doesn't it? That, uh, uh, Kings fans and the fans of the rest of the NHL are getting to watch the Penguins reap more rewards from two young players. Yeah. Pity. We pity you guys. <laughs> Um, for, just for, for what it's worth or just for your information. So Jonathan Quick is signed until 2022. So we've only got, I think it's 2022. It might be 2023. I can't ever remember. So we've only got a couple more years left of Jonathan Quick. And it seems like it really kind of seems to have dawned on most fans. But there's, you know, there's always that very um, loyal, we'll call it loyal, part of the fan base that's like no this is our guy he's gonna be our sure. guy forever and ever and ever anyway um it, it really just kind of seems like it, it's all kind of come to a head that all the injuries have caught up with quick and over the years and you know another slow start to his season but he kind of seems like he's getting back to old quick he goes through these weird kind of funky periods throughout the year like he'll suck a lot for a long time and you're like god can anybody else goaltend anybody what mm. you know is the shooter tutor available <laughs> um, and and unfortunately the the coaching staff are, are just always going well he's got to play his way through it and i guess not being a goalie person i'm like i don't really understand this but i guess if you say it's true it's true um, but, and then he goes through these periods where he looks like he's really back to his old self, the, the one that earned that 
mega 10-year contract, and right now he's playing really well. What happens in Pittsburgh, who shows up, is a mystery. Yeah, it's if it, it, it's a luxury, but it's a mystery at the same time. If 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 Murray, and, and it's funny because we mentioned you you mentioned um, Quick's uh, up and down play, and Matt Murray has been struggling recently. I remember uh, I was recording a podcast myself last night, and uh, Matt Murray only has I think one or two wins in his last five games started. And even in his last five games started, his save percentages have been really, really horrendous. I know save percentage isn't the only stat to judge a goaltender by, but I remember one game in particular, it was against the Vancouver Canucks where he ends the game with a 7-14 save percentage. And uh, you can tell even on paper, those stats are, are not what you want from your starting, your number one goaltender, one who's looking for a mega contract extension uh, probably Murray's probably looking at a six plus million dollar contract extension and out comes Tristan Jari out of nowhere from the minor leagues. When they started the season, uh, I thought it was going to be Matt Murray and, uh, Casey DeSmith and Jim Rutherford had to finagle the salary cap a little bit because he was dealing with so many injuries at the start of the season, at the end of training camp. So Casey DeSmith is currently in the Penguins minor league system. And Tristan Jari comes up. He's he earned the right to be the number two, and lo and behold, Tristan Jari, like I said, explodes onto the scene. So, uh, I, I guess we're fortunate, but uh, it's it's still a shaky situation as far as I'm concerned. I guess my my only jealous comfort is that the because I am jealous. <laughs> I'm I'm going to totally <laughs> admit it. Uh, my my only jealous comfort is that the Penguins will be in cap hell soon. So. You know, I've got that working for me because uh, I am a very spiteful, pity, uh, pathetic. I I don't know, very sp- <laughs> small little person. <laughs> um, I, oh yeah, the, I don't want even want to think about Cap Hell. I just want one more championship for, in the Crosby Malkin era. Ah, uh, would be nice. Uh, you know, with, to go along with the the other three rings that they have. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> see, you, you see where I'm coming from. <laughs> Uh, it would always be nice to to win a championship. I'm not going to lie. I mean, uh, when when the Kings made it all the way to the Western Conference Final in 2013, only to fall to the Blackhawks, I was like, man, so close. Oh, yeah, yeah. We could have had a three-peat, but it wasn't in the cards. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about Jim Rutherford's and Jim Rutherford and his roster construction. So he kind of went through this because I know that the Penguins are cursed forever and they are always injured, like always injured. They always have like 10 holes to fill. And I don't know how they managed to get so injured all the time. Uh, Yes, I I agree with you. Uh, And (laughs) I, by the season's end, they will probably still have multiple holes that they need to fill. But yeah, going back to your original question, the roster construction from Jim Rutherford has been uh, something of a contentious issue. Going back over the last couple of seasons, the, the last couple of free agent periods, uh, he, he's brought in quite a few questionable players. Um, Anti Niemi. Well, yes, I, I was going to save the best for last in Jack Johnson. Uh, Anti Niemi, uh, Matt Hunwick, the defenseman, he's gone. I. Uh, uh, let's just throw in Jack Johnson because he's still here, you know, irritating most of the Penguins fan base. So, you know, coming off the back-to-back championship run, you would think that Rutherford and company would want to try and replicate what got them there in the first place. And that was speed and skill. And in return, uh, Jim Rutherford distinctly goes out and trades for Ryan Reeves, from the St. Louis Blues for the Penguins' first-round draft pick in the 2017 NHL draft, <laughs> so that that was really like if if there was a spot that kind of signaled the beginning of the end, it was that trade because Rutherford obviously is an old-school general manager, and uh, he's not uh, against having some quote end quote uh, toughness or grittiness e- even on his fourth line to try and quote unquote protect his stars uh, i think it's a ludicrous concept 
but uh, obviously I'm not an NHL general manager. So, uh, and I'm not in the hockey hall of fame and I don't have Stanley cup rings to my name. So he know, I guess he knows what he's doing to an extent, but there are fans who have watched Jim Rutherford over the last couple of years, make some perplexing free agent acquisitions and trades, but for whatever reason, the, the, the Penguins are still finding ways to win with this ragtag group of it's a mix of stars and mostly AHL minor leaguers, uh, guys like Teddy Bluger, Dominic Simone, Joseph Blandizi, Sam Lafferty, Stefan Nason. These are all guys that weren't projected to really contribute this season. And they're getting more and more playing time, obviously, because of so many injuries. And they're they're really trying to leave their mark. And I think I think that can be accredited to a youth movement, what I call a youth movement. Uh, and I, I think it really started in 2015, 2016 with the emergence of your Brian Rusts, your Connor Sherry's, eventually Jake Gensel came along. You know, these were guys that were instrumental to the championships, the championship runs that the Penguins had over the last couple of years. And I liken it to a youth movement because that's exactly what it was. These guys were coming up from the, the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, their minor league system having no previous NHL experience and they explode onto the scene and they're hung. They were hungry and they wanted a spot. And I, that's not to say that some of the veterans who were on the team were lackadaisical or lazy or not giving it their all, but it was a, it was just a different feel with all of these young hungry rookies that helped as a nice supporting cast for uh, Malkin and Crosby to eventually get a couple more championship rings. You mentioned Jake Gensel. He is currently leading the team with 33 points, 17 goals, 16 assists. Not bad. No, not bad at all. Uh, I believe uh, he's on pace for uh, a 45 goal season. It's a, it's at least another 40 goal season. And so let's talk about Jake Gensel a little bit. He has, become one of my favorite players to watch on this team he is a pure goal scorer and he's not afraid to go to the dirty areas to use some coach speak he's not afraid to muck and grind it out in the corners and get pucks in deep and all of those other stupid coach cliches but Jake Ansel is a guy who I watch on a nightly basis and I think holy crap are they lucky that they snagged this guy. I believe they drafted him in the third round. So he wasn't like a, a prospect the Penguins drafted in the first round with a ton of uh, pedigree and prestige to his name. He was drafted in the third round in 2013. And what, you know, what do you project from a third rounder once in the NHL? You know, a lot of guys really, once you get past the second round, a lot of guys don't really have a lot of pedigree and a lot of promise to go on. But Jake Gensel, carved his way through the minor league system and was rewarded with uh, a long-term contract the last, I believe, I believe it was last off season, but he was awarded with, I believe it was a five-year deal. He's making 6 million per. So he, he was, his hard work was rightly rewarded with a contract extension and he's only getting better. You, you mentioned the 17 goals in 32 games played. And there, the Penguins are relying on him now because Malkin, Evgeny Malkin missed last game with an illness, and Sidney Crosby is obviously on the shelf for the next three to four weeks. And so, so Jake Gensel is really the only like top six firepower that the Penguins have at the moment. And it's it's really just it's really fun to watch a pure goal scorer next to Evgeny Malkin and Crosby on a nightly basis. So. I feel like the Penguins are pretty used to missing time from, I mean, for, from, I feel like the Penguins are pretty used to having Malkin and Crosby miss extended periods of time. They both have long and very, very lengthy um, injury histories. And I, I can't remember the last time either one of them played a full 82 game season. So what does this assuming Malkin is healthy and ready to go for Saturday's game, what does this team's offense look like sans Crosby? Well, for the last couple of games, Malkin and Jake Gensel and uh, right winger Brian Rust have formed some great chemistry. They formed a really solid top line 
that uh, has been really, really fun to watch. Uh, Malkin isn't the spring chicken that he used to be, which is where Brian Rust and his speed, Jake Gensel and his goal-scoring prowess come into play. You know, Malkin, uh, sometimes he'll he'll get a nice burst of speed through the neutral zone, and, you know, maybe he'll put on some fancy, fancy stick moves to try and deke some defenders. But for the most part, you know, he's just this big, I call him a big Russian bear. That, you know, that's what, he's 6'3 and what, 200 and some pounds. So he, like I said, he's not the, the, the spring chicken he used to be. He doesn't have that burst that he once did. But this chemistry that he has developed with Jake Gensel and Brian Rust has been really fun to watch. And for a Penguins fan, you're really glad that someone, that there's chemistry formed at all because so many injuries have taken place that, Uh, Mike Sullivan has been flipping and flopping and mixing and matching so many forwards on so many different lines that it's kind of hard to get a sense of who's developing chemistry with who. So this first line has really propelled the Penguins over the last, I'd say, what, week and a half, maybe two weeks. And it's going to, if Malkin is healthy, if he does play in the, the next game against the Kings, if Malkin is healthy, he's going to slot right back up there. Uh, on the first line center role, Jake Gensel will be on his left. Brian Rust will be on his right. And uh, if I'm a Kings fan, I, I watch that line with, and I'm holding my breath because uh, you really never know what's going to happen when those three get out on the ice. Well, the Kings have a very terrible road record this year. So I expect them to do, and them being uh, Malkin, if he's healthy, Rust and Gensel, I expect them to do a lot of damage. Uh, I would not put it, I would not put it past, or I don't, I don't know how to phrase this. I would not be surprised <laughs> if there was a lot of combined points on that line. We'll just put it that way. I don't want to put anything out into the universe that may occur. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, the universe is listening, and sometimes it's not. Sometimes, okay. So, for example, I was like. I wish for, I was very specific in this. I wish for a Jeff Carter half trick against the other team that counts in their net, no take backs. And instead I got a Bo, Bo Horvat hat trick. So <laughs> the universe. So, <laughs> the, the, you kind of, the, the universe answered, but it, like it didn't answer. You got a hat trick. Uh, unfortunately, it was a Bo Horvat hat trick. Exactly. I was like, no, I was very specific because you yeah, know you yeah. gotta be very specific when talking to the universe. Sure. <laughs> um, so <laughs> getting back to um, that line we were talking about, Malkin and Rust and Gensel, do they remind you at all of the HBK line? It's funny you brought that up, and I was thinking about that myself. Uh, I think it's a little too early to make comparisons to the HBK line, both in season and where that just where, where that line is currently. Uh, the HBK line will always have a special place in my heart, uh, basically propelling the Penguins. I mean, they, they rode that line to a championship in 2016. Say what you will about wh- what else happened that year, but that HBK line, thank the good Lord above that they, they Kessel and Haglin and, uh, Nick Bonino found chemistry because that line, nobody could stop it. Uh, but back to your original question, the, th- the thing about it is when Crosby comes back in, let's say, four weeks, you know, at the new year, they, they have an interesting dilemma on their hands because Jake Gensel has primarily been slotted with Sidney Crosby throughout his run in Pittsburgh, Jake Gensel's run in Pittsburgh, that is. And I'm not so sure if Mike Sullivan wants to go in the face of all of that chemistry that was developed between Sid and uh, Gensel. But at the same time, I don't know how superstitious Mike Sullivan is. Is he willing to break up the Gensel, Malkin, Rust line and maybe find another left winger for Crosby? I'm not so sure what, what Sullivan is going to do when Crosby gets back. If I had to take a guess, if you put me on the spot and told me, you know, what do you think Sullivan's going to do? I think Jake Gensel is going to be slotted back with Sidney Crosby. I think there's too much history there and too much positive play between both Crosby and Gensel to just let it all fall uh, by the wayside, which leaves Malkin in um, 
I don't want to say a precarious situation, but obviously he just lost one of the, the better wingers he's been playing with. And my response to that is, if you're Jim Rutherford, go out and acquire a winger of Jake Gensel's caliber. And that's easier said than done, but you know who was out looking for a trade? Taylor Hall. And I know Taylor Hall and the New Jersey Devils are going to require a lot to ask for, and this is just a pipe dream. Uh, at least right now, I've seen Jim Rutherford do some crazy things when it comes to trades. But for Mike, for Evgeny Malkin to succeed, you know, we see on a nightly basis what Malkin has been doing with Gensel uh, and Brian Rust. So it's it's not it's not like you're putting a square into a circle hole. It's pretty simple. Go acquire a forward who's obviously not on this roster because they thought it was going to be Alex Galchenyuk. That experiment is failing more and more by the day. Go out and acquire a winger to play alongside of Guinea Malkin, who can play up to the caliber of your Jake Gensel or your Taylor Hall. That's what. That's how you're going to maximize the final years of this this championship window. You know, for so long, really, uh, the last person I remember was James Neal alongside of Guinea Malkin, who they found instant chemistry, and James Neal was supposed to come from Dallas and be play alongside Sidney Crosby. And that never happened. James Neal was the last winger that I remember having really solid chemistry with Evgeny Malkin. And now you're seeing it again with another talented player, a talented goal scorer in Jake Gensel. So if Sullivan does go back to the Crosby Gensel combination and, uh, um, Evgeny Malkin is left with, I don't know, Dominic Simone or Brandon Tanev or Alex Gauchenyuk for that matter. If they're still playing him by the time, he, uh, Sid gets back, you're, you very well could see a dip in Evgeny Malkin's play. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. What has gone wrong with the Alex Galchenyuk experiment? Uh, when he was in Montreal, he was really good, but it seems, well, I shouldn't say that. He struggled off and on in Montreal, but he has the pedigree, or he had the pedigree at least, when he was young. And, and starting in the NHL, and a lot has been blamed on his issues in Montreal. And then he got traded to Arizona, and then he just kind of sort of fell down their depth chart and got traded to Pittsburgh. So what's wrong? Yeah, I don't even think I have the answer to your question. Uh, like you said, I don't know if it was the way he was developed in Montreal when he was drafted in 2012. Uh, like, I don't know if it's the fact that he's been on three different teams over the last 18 to 19 months, going from Montreal to Arizona to Pittsburgh. Uh, but here's the thing. Alex Galchenyuk was from the start, from the, from the second that trade was announced. And I saw it on Twitter, Twitter, uh, Alex Galchenyuk was always going to have massive shoes to fill in replacing Phil Kessel. And I knew from the start that he wasn't really good. He wasn't going to be able to succeed. How is Alex Galchenyuk going to replace Phil Kessel? The simple answer is he wasn't going to, and he isn't going to. And as much as I don't want to say it, uh, this experiment, this Alex Galchenyuk trade isn't working. And uh, Jim Rutherford has already come out to the media and tried to get Gauchenyuk going by, you know, telling him uh, indirectly, you know, when all of the forwards are healthy, uh, when when the 12 best forwards are on the ice, there might not be a place for Alex Gauchenyuk. And that's quite a far fall from grace, considering what was given up to acquire Gauchenyuk. And the Penguins also did get a, a defensive prospect uh, who's obviously, he's not here yet, and I pro he probably won't be ready for another couple of years. So we focus on the big piece, which is Gauchenyuk. And I think he still only has two go two goals in his 20-something games played, which is not what you want from what was supposed to be a goal scorer. It has not worked. I don't know what it is. I don't know whether it's the fact that he's been bounced around from a couple of teams over the last couple of months to his slow start because he was injured 
early in the season to not having consistent line mates. I mean, he was supposed to come here and be slotted alongside Evgeny Malkin. I don't know how you can't put up goals alongside Evgeny Malkin. I don't think when Crosby comes back, he's going to play alongside Sidney Crosby. His ice time is getting lower and lower. He's only averaging, I think, nine minutes of ice time a game. So it's incredibly dis- disappointing. I'll say that. It's disappointing to watch Alex Galchenyuk and what's happened to him since he's come to Pittsburgh. And I kind of feel bad for the guy because, for one, like I said, you're coming in here replacing Phil Kessel. Everyone in this city loved Phil Kessel, and he was instrumental in getting the two Stanley Cups in Pittsburgh. Uh, not only that, he was he was healthy. He never missed a game while he was in Pittsburgh, and he was a pure, natural goal scorer. I mean, you don't need me to tell you about Phil Kessel's shot, how lethal it is. So it, it, it's just not a marriage that has worked out, unfortunately. And I would not be surprised come February if Galchenyuk is traded to another team to end the year because uh, as it stands now, Galchenyuk will not finish the year in Pittsburgh. He's a UFA at the end of the year. He, uh, I do not think he will be re-signed to a long-term deal in Pittsburgh either. I wonder where he will end up. I just mean as a UFA and I'm just kind of thinking out loud here. I'm just like, I wonder who is going to take a chance on him. It's, it's way too early. We've got six plus months for that. Uh, it was just the thought that that popped into my tiny little brain. <laughs> but when you're, when you're being out depthed by Stefan Nason and, and Nick Bugstad, yeah, things things are not going well for you, are they? No, I, and it, it really is. It really is so interesting to watch because you wouldn't think, like you said at the start, Galchenyuk has pedigree. He was drafted third overall in 2012. Um, now, granted, whether some players should be taken higher than others, that's a story for a different day. Was Galchenyuk ready to be taken third overall by the Canadians? Uh, you know, that I'm not sure. I'm not well-versed in where the Canadians were in 2012. But the fact of the matter is, you know, he did produce somewhat in Montreal. Uh, he, he wasn't a total slouch. I don't know if he produced to the level that you'd want a third overall pick to produce to, but he, he wasn't a total slouch. Uh, he, he did put up points on the score sheet so it, it it just isn't coming together for whatever reason and yeah you're right you're being out depth by stefan nason nick bukestad joseph blandese he's a career minor leaguer uh so it's it really is one of the more interesting things i i've seen come along and happen to a forward playing for the penguins in in quite a long time so it seems like Overall, the roster kind of relies on Evgeny Malkin stand-in number one, stand-in number two for whoever his wingers are going to be. And then uh, um, Jake Gensel's line. Is there any depth besides that? Maybe on defense with Jack Nelson? Uh, well... <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to carve out a special segment for Jack Johnson in just a second. But no, th- th- there's a there's a player that the Penguins really like that they traded from uh, they traded to from the Florida Panthers uh, last February. Jared McCann is a guy that I can tell you the Penguins really really like. I would not be surprised to see him get a long term extension in Pittsburgh when his time comes. He has just gotten better and better. Uh, I didn't know what to think because in the trade they sent, I believe they sent Derek Broussard and uh, Riley Shahan to the Florida Panthers last February for Jared McCann and Nick Bukestad. Now Bukestad's been hurt for uh, the last few games. So Jared McCann gets the spotlight on him on the second line right now. And he really had, he's fun to watch. He's only 23 years old. And there, there's a, a part of the, the, the front office person in me, the general manager in me, looking at a 23-year-old center slash left wing and thinking, oh, man, this, this guy is going to be money for the next seven, eight, nine years if, if he stays here. And I, I think that's what the Penguins have. 
uh, in Jared McCann. I think he's going to be a centerpiece. I don't think he's going to rise to the occasion and be your your franchise number one center once Crosby and Malkin do get to the end of your career, end of their careers. But he he's going to be a very very serviceable uh, second center slash third center wherever you need him to play. He will play alongside. Uh, you mentioned defense. There is one player that I want to bring up on defense that has caught my eye and really has caught the league's eye, and that is not Jack Johnson, however much I'd want it to be. That is the rookie defenseman, John Marino, and he has been playing alongside Chris Letang over the last couple of games because, hey, what do you know? They've been dealing with injuries even on defense. So this rookie comes out of nowhere. He was traded uh, from the Oilers to the Penguins for a sixth-round pick, if my memory is correct, and... I, everyone, everyone in this town, everyone who covers this team thought he would just be organizational depth. He would be like your seventh or eighth or ninth D man. And he'd just report to the minor league system. And that's not what happened at all. He exploded onto the scene. He had himself a tremendous preseason and parlayed that into earning, uh, earning a spot in the NHL lineup and a spot that I don't think, even if he hits the, the dreaded rookie wall, I don't think it's going to be enough for John Marino to lose his spot in this Penguins lineup. Uh, His emergence has been so fast-tracked and beyond anything that I would have expected from him that I'm just excited to watch him on a nightly basis because the Penguins need young talent if they're going to make another run or two in, in the final years of this era. And John Marino is exactly what you want. Not only that, I think John Marino is a great defenseman in his own right. I've watched him. He is fantastic in his own zone. He, I, I don't know if it's that Harvard education he received, but uh, his, the decisions he, he makes with the puck on his stick, even in his own zone when he's going up against opposing forwards, he never really seems to be in a terrible position. Uh, he's going to make mistakes. He's a rookie playing at the NHL level for the first time in his career. So I'm expecting mistakes, but so far the returns on the John, on John Marino and the Latang Marino pairing have been anything, n- nothing that I could have ever expected in, in the best way possible. Is it almost like Latang is getting a second life or second wind or whatever? And I ask this because of the very few, very unbiased Penguins fans that I follow for whatever reason on Twitter, um, they kind of have made it seem that Latang at 32 years old, he's, well, he's old. So it's time to trade him. He's also got a lengthy hit, uh, injury history. God, who in the Penguins doesn't at this point? Um, <laughs> anyway, so it he's, you know, he's old, he's slow, he makes a lot of mistakes, he's just, he's not good enough anymore, and he's not good enough to be a first-pairing defenseman carrying the the team and, and, and their attempts to get to another Stanley Cup. What I'd say to that is, don't believe everything you read on Twitter, and don't believe the Penguins <laughs> fans who you're following either, because I don't know who they are, or what they're talking about. Chris Letang is a very divisive player amongst the Penguins fan base, and he has been for quite some time. I am aware of that. Uh, But I also realize if the Penguins didn't have Chris Letang, they wouldn't have won the Stanley Cups in 2015 and 2016. And I know Chris Letang was injured during part of that. I believe it was the 2017 Stanley Cup run. I call it up to a fluke, and I call it up to good luck, because Chris Letang does things that no other defenseman on this roster can do, maybe will never be able to do. John Marino is still very young, but I I don't know if I'm projecting him to be the second coming of Chris Letang. Chris Letang's puck handling skills, his ability to transition into the offensive zone, he can shoot from the point, which I I love when Chris Letang shoots from the point. Uh, I think it's a thing of beauty when he winds up for a slap shot. There are so many things that Chris Letang does that are taken for granted that so many players, so many fans, I'll call them fans, they, they don't realize because he's either injured or he's hot-headed and he takes a bad penalty at a bad time, or like you said, he's 32 years old and he's too old to carry this entire decor. Chris Letang is the only defenseman that's playing like 30 minutes a night. 
Now, that's insane for any defenseman in the NHL. But for Chris Letang to play 30 minutes a night, it's the norm. And at 32 years old, like you said, with the amount of injuries that he's sustained, and these aren't like these aren't like um, like a broken ankle or or a broken wrist or a broken hand. The dude has a hole in his heart basically after suffering a stroke, and he's still playing at what I believe is a top five defenseman level in the National Hockey League. Sure, he, I don't think he's ever won the Norris, and at 32, I don't know if he ever will get serious Norris Trophy consideration. But for my money, Chris Letang is one of the best defensemen in the NHL. And the Penguins are fortunate to have him anchor the defense alongside Crosby and Malkin. If he, if Chris Letang wasn't here, like I said, this defense, I don't think it would be in shambles. But for the amount of things that Chris Letang can do with the puck on his stick, I want no other defenseman. So what you're saying is he's still really good. Yes, he is still really good. And for all of the Penguin fans that want him traded, that think his time has passed, that think uh, his contract is too expensive for how many games he misses, I think it's ludicrous. I mean, I, I just I don't understand where all of the Penguins fans come out of the woodwork on Twitter and Facebook. And that's probably my fault for listening and watching these fans on Twitter and Facebook. But all of them, all of these keyboard warriors who think that Chris Letang is so easily replaceable, I just, it's just mind boggling to me. His possession metrics are, if he's play, if he's not playing with Jack Johnson, that is, his possession metrics are always fantastic. He's always above 50% in Fenwick 4 and Corsi 4 if you subscribe to those kinds of analytics. Even if you don't, he has one of the better shots for a defenseman in this league. Uh, like I said before, he, 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 when he does shoot, sometimes I get a little irritated with him because I, I don't think he shoots enough from the blue line. But when he does shoot, the, there's it's a thing of beauty for the puck to find the back of the net all the way from the blue line from Latang's stick. There are so many things that this defenseman does at 32 years of age that so many other defensemen can't do. I don't think Chris Latang should be replaced at all. I don't know why Penguin fans are thinking that at this point. It, sure, he might have lost a step, but it's human nature for a 32-year-old to not play like a 22-year-old. I, I mean, it's ridiculous that just because you're 32, you're all of a sudden washed up. The amount of injuries and the kind of injuries, like I said, that Latang has sustained would put any normal person, uh, like they'd be strapped to their bed for like, five years and Latang's out here playing 32 minutes and like 30 minutes a night. It's ridiculous. And I just don't take it for granted. I don't take anything in this Crosby Malkin era for granted. And I think a lot of Penguins fans t do. I think I really do think Penguins fans are quick to jump on the anti Evgeny Malkin or anti Chris Latang bandwagon and want them out of town when they make a boneheaded mistake, whether they're out of position or take a bad penalty and all of a sudden, you know, Latang is overrated and Evgeny Malkin's a lazy Russian. I don't buy any of that. Once Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby and Chris Latang go, uh, I have a hard time believing that this team is going to do anything other than be in the basement of the Metropolitan Division. And that's me being as, as unbiased as I can. Uh, you know, I could sit here and say that things are going to be fine and dandy when Crosby and Malkin and Latang all retire. The fact of the matter is, if if they don't get another top five draft pick, another franchise esque player, uh, the things that you see on a nightly basis between these three players and what they've done over the last decade plus is something that you probably won't see on this team again, at least for a very, very long time. Well, it's kind of hard to go from two generational players like Crosby and Malkin to not Crosby and Malkin. You know, the, the Caps are definitely going to feel it when Ovechkin eventually retires. I mean, we've we've seen it with other teams. The Red Wings are are struggling from still no Nick Lidstrom, even sure. even though that was I I don't know I think it was like four. Five years? No, probably more. I think it was probably like 2012. 
yeah, that he retired. That sounds about so, something yeah. like that. It's it's been a while, and and they've still struggled to replace their Hall of Fame roster and and get back to the playoffs. And uh, although having talked to um, JJ from Kansas, it kind of sounds like they've started to kind of figure out their roster construction and kind of what they want to do. Um, Cause you know, the first few years it was just got to maintain that streak, got to maintain that yeah. 25 year streak of making the playoffs. But sure. um, you know, the, the ducks have struggled quite a bit too, after losing their hall of fame defenseman. God, I'm sensing a theme here. You lose a hall of famer. <laughs> your, your team is not going to do very well. <laughs> Imagine that it's, I can't believe it. It's so, what a wild concept. I know. All right. So let's talk about this team's identity. The Kings right now, they kind of don't seem to have an identity of their own. They sort of seem to. So when Lombardi built the team um, back in, I think it was 2010, he had a very clear idea. He said, you build from the net out, you build, you, you get really good defensemen and then you get good defensive forwards. And it's all about the it was all about defense with Lombardi. Now you mentioned that the Penguins are fast and kind of youngish, but then you still have to work around Malkin, who is not 25 anymore. So but then you have these really good players with Rust and Gensel, and it kind of seems like everything's a little all over the place, at least when you look at it on a microscopic level. So at a macro level, what, what is this team's identity? Um, when everyone is healthy, uh, assuming Crosby is back, Patrick Hornquist is back, um, Nick Bukestad, uh, everyone on the defense is healthy. What is this team identity? That's a good question. I don't think it's completely centered around speed anymore like you said Crosby and Malkin are both entering their mid-30s Latang, for that matter is 32 as well uh but they won the championships from this youth movement and I say that because it's important to note that this youth movement came from a supporting cast and I think it's important for them to forge whatever identity they want to forge when everyone's healthy Crosby and Malkin and Latang are you, you know what you're going to expect and, and throw in Gensel for that matter at this point, because Gensel has shown time and time again, um, if he's playing with Crosby or Malkin, um, he's going to score goals. We know that, but the, the, the identity that I guess I'll try and, and, um, put this team towards is I'd say, I'd say youthful, I don't know if it'd be fast and skillful because like you said, they, they still do have a couple of handicaps to get around. Uh, Nick Bukestad isn't the fastest player. Uh, Dominic Simone and Zach Aston Reese aren't the fastest wingers in the world. They still have Jack Johnson. They're likely going to play on defense, even though I don't like that at all. But uh, if, if the Penguins can get a youthful supporting cast uh, to go alongside Crosby, Malkin and company, youth is what, I would liken this team identity towards. And it's what I'd like this team, this this identity to be geared around for the future. I, I think people always say, older players always say that this is a young man's game. This is a fast game. Obviously, the older you get, the slower you get. So if they continue to build around this youth movement and hopefully they continue to own their first round picks and don't trade them away for rentals at the trade deadline. You know, I think that's the best way to try and build and maximize what's left of this, this Crosby Malkin era is to build around youth. And I don't know if speed is the best asset to build around at this point. Like you said, Crosby and Malkin aren't 25 anymore. So I don't know if they can keep up with your Connor McDavid's and uh, those kinds of players. But if, they have young, hungry players. I'll emphasize young again because I think that's what it, what it'll take. Young players as a strong supporting cast. I think that should be the team's identity, and I think that's what's going to help them maximize what's left of whatever they can get out of Crosby and Malkin. All right, you promised me a special section on Jack Johnson. Let's oh, have God. it. 
Okay. Uh, well, what would you like to know as uh, an outsider regarding Jack Johnson? My biggest question is why? Yeah, that's my question too. I ask that on a nightly basis as well. Uh, why? Uh, why is the earth round? You know, why is the sky blue? And uh, why is Jack Johnson still in the NHL playing top four minutes uh, for a professional hockey team? These are all. What was the logic that Rutherford gave in his press conference when he went out and acquired Jack Johnson? Rutherford claimed uh, after Jack Johnson was scratched by the Columbus Blue Jackets in the playoff, their, their, their playoff run, he claims, he said, I know why he was scratched. And from that point forward, uh, for whatever reason, Jim Rutherford, Jim Rutherford has had this affinity with Jack Johnson uh, for going, going back quite a while. And uh, I don't know if it's Rutherford looking at Johnson as a reclamation project thinking, well, if he's going to publicly, publicly come out and say, I know why the Blue Jackets scratched this player. I know what they did wrong, and I know what we can do right. Uh, well, first, they, he basically took an unwarranted shot at the Blue Jackets, and I'm not the biggest fan of the Columbus Blue Jackets, but, I mean, when talking about a player like J- Jack Johnson who comes with the, um, I don't know if baggage is the right term, but you, you know what you're getting with Jack Johnson at this point. He's been in the league for over a decade, and he's just not, been a good defenseman i mean a lot of it can be a a lot of what jack johnson struggles with comes from his i'd say his advanced stats there there are groups in pittsburgh and i'm sure there's groups like this in every uh hockey fandom for whatever team you cheer for there are some fans who don't subscribe to the analytics approach and they just watch with the eye test and there are some fans who live and die with analytics and Corsi and Fenwick. And there are some fans who like a good mix of that. The fans who don't subscribe to analytics and watch with the eye test think that Jack Johnson is just a rough and a rough and tumble, rugged stay at home defenseman. Uh, I've had the uh, terrible opportunity to watch Jack Johnson play hockey on a nightly basis over the last year and a half. And I can't tell you he he's I don't know what I I really don't know what Jim Rutherford sees in him. In addition to his poor advanced metrics, he's been out of position on multiple goals so many times this season. And it's not every goal. He's made good plays here and there. I mean, he still might have a little bit of gas left in his tank, but like wh- yeah, why? What why? Why Jack Johnson? Why now? And it was made at a time, like I said earlier, when Jim Rutherford's um, Jim Rutherford's free agents free agent acquisitions had been coming under fire for you know why are you signing this guy why 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 does this guy why why does this guy figure into your long term plans and for Jim Rutherford to go out and give Jack Johnson a five year contract at three point five million per season uh, that was. That was the the straw that broke the camel's back because from that point forward, when that contract was announced, announced there was pushback from me- certain members of the media, uh, and they asked the same question. We we you know what's on Jack Johnson's resume, and to a certain extent, you kind of figured out or you kind of inferred why Jack Johnson was scratched in the first place in Columbus. Uh, to put it short and sweet, uh, the Blue Jackets figured out he's not a good defenseman anymore, and I don't know, I don't know what Jim Rutherford sees that makes me makes him believe that he's still a good defenseman. Now there were talks early in the season that Jack Johnson was involved in a potential trade package. I think Jim Rutherford was either convinced or he came to his senses that he offered Johnson too big of a contract for too long, and he was trying to get rid of it. But here's the problem. Jim Rutherford made his bed. Now he has to sleep in it because nobody, I don't know if anybody at this point wants to take Jack Johnson's contract. 
they they did manage to trade Eric Goodbranson earlier in the season to the Anaheim Ducks. So that leads me to believe that there are some general managers out there that aren't the brightest crayons in the in the box that might take Jack Johnson and think, oh, this rugged veteran defensive presence could really help us on the back end. So I, you know, I'm still holding out hope. But this 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 Jack Johnson experiment from day one, people knew it was going to fail and it has failed. I'm not saying it's failed in spectacular fashion because you know I don't think Jack Johnson's been an absolute like non-playable disaster. He's made a few plays here and there. I'll give him credit when credit's due. But uh, like we thought when the contract was signed, this has been terrible. And it's been a deterrent. It's been a hindrance on this defense because, you know, they're allocating at one point this season, they allocated $7.25 million in their bottom pair of Eric Goodbranson and Jack Johnson. Eric Goodbranson is no longer here, like I said, but Jack Johnson's still making $3.5 million for the next four and a half, three, four and a half years. So it wouldn't surprise me if the Penguins, if they don't trade him by season's end, it wouldn't surprise me if they exercise the option to buy out the remaining years of his contract. Uh, the Penguins aren't one to really use the the buyout. I don't know if a lot of NHL clubs even use buyouts anymore, but uh, I would not be surprised if the Jack Johnson experiment comes to an end by season's end. I believe the Kings used their regular buyout on Dion Phaneuf because... Um, okay, yeah. Ugh, that was it was just a disaster of a trade and Rob Lake was like yeah I messed up and and you know a lot of us in the fan base were going yeah no kidding we all saw this coming from a mile away like Dion Phaneuf he's not good so I'm sorry to say but I don't think that we'll be taking Jack Johnson back but you know all the best to Jack Johnson personally Especially yeah. with that crazy story that came out with it, uh, uh, came out about him a, a few years ago. But I mean, I just yeah. wish good people, uh, you know, not certain ex backups that are in the minor league who have a rough history of maltreatment, of mistreatment of women. I'll just put it that way. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I wish the good players that, who are good people. I wish them wish them well. Yeah, I don't have anything bad personally to say about Jack Johnson. If I was in his position, I would have taken that contract. Uh, his, oh, yeah. It was probably his last big payday in his NHL career. I, I would have taken that contract in a heartbeat. But yeah, from the outside looking in, there you could tell that the skills are diminished and he's not good. Listen, if somebody offers me millions of dollars to do something that Maybe deep down, I understand that I'm not so good at. Doesn't matter. Somebody wants to offer me millions of dollars to do something. Yeah. I'm going to do it. And, and especially something that I love doing. You bet I'm taking that contract. <laughs> I don't I don't blame you and I don't blame Jack Johnson for the position he was put in. But, you know, judging this team from where it was to where it went, it was one of the worst free agent acquisitions in recent team history. It was just bizarre. All right. Well, I think since we've been talking for almost an hour, we should probably wrap this up. So, um, <laughs> Garrett, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, I just have one last question, and that sure. would be your predictions for the game. Well, okay. Um, I'm going to try and remain unbiased here, uh, even though I'm talking on a, a King's podcast. Okay, be biased. Uh, I well, look. They're what? They're in the basement of the Pacific. So NHL. Uh, <laughs> I think they're yeah, oh, what? fourth last oh. or third. I don't know. It's something, something like that. They're uh, they're either twenty seventh or twenty eighth. I think. Even though the the Penguins have had a rough go with injuries, uh, I think they'll find a way. I could see them. I could see the Penguins winning. Uh, Two one or or three one. I'll, I'll go. Th- I'll go three one. I don't think it's going to be a massive blowout six goal game, especially if if Jonathan Quick's in net. I think you know, like we like we said at the start. Uh, I think Jonathan Quick isn't totally washed up. I think there's still some some flashes left in him. Uh, I think he's still a good goaltender. So if Quick's in net, I'll, I'll say it's a closer score. 
Uh, I'll go. Yeah, I'll go three one. I just looked it up. The Kings are 29th. And that's after oh, securing two points from Anaheim. <laughs> yeah, the, the Kings are, are bad. But I could definitely well, I could definitely see a um a three one game. And I, I fully expect Jack Johnson to score a goal tomorrow. Somehow, oh, I don't know God. how, maybe in the empty net or something, but uh it's it's inevitable. I there was a, a Kings blogger. His name is Jesse. Uh, he came up with the um, Molson Index. And it's, it's basically saying that whenever uh, your team faces an ex-player of some sort, they're going to score on you. And it's it's like nine times out of ten. And we're like, damn it, Jesse. I, I don't think you have to worry about Jack Johnson scoring on his former team. I, uh, I if it, Listen, if it does, that might be the, the, the best Christmas present that anyone could give me. <laughs> Especially if it, if it was if it was a game winner with like ten seconds left in the game, that might be like. <laughs> but I don't think out of all the players that have previously played for the Kings, I think Jack Johnson. I don't think you have to worry about that quite a bit. Hey, the Molson Index is you know very often correct. I'm just- don't 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 mess with science. Always. <laughs> Always go with science. The odds are in our favor. I know I'm supposed <laughs> to tell you the odds, but, um, you know. <laughs> okay. Uh, you want to shout out your socials real quick? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, you can find me uh, at pensburg.com. I write under the alias of the Castle Run. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at gbehanna, at G-B-E-H-A-N-N-A. Uh, follow at Pensburg on Twitter and uh, let's go Pens. Thanks again for joining me, Garrett. Thanks for having me. All right.